Well, if you would turn in your Bibles, we're going to be over in Mark, the 14th chapter. Mark, the 14th chapter. We're going to take a look at some things to help us get past the lingering doubt that is in us that often we can't even tell is working in our member. God gave us a mind. Sometimes we don't know all the things that are working in that mind. We have a flesh. We have a soul. Sometimes inside these members that we have, we have um, things that aren't helpful for our faith at work. And we can't even tell that they're there. But we're going to take a look at three different passages today. Our main one is going to be in Mark chapter 14. You are all familiar with this. And there are three key words that we're going to take a look at, call your attention to. Last week, we began to look at the topic of fasting. Of course, the week before that, we saw that Jesus said that this kind only comes out through prayer and fasting, that there are no prayer and fasting demons. What he spoke about was unbelief. There is unbelief that resides on the inside of us and keeps us from going where we want to go. Now, we saw that for the disciples, that they were casting out the demon spirit, and this one seemed like it acted up more than some of the other ones that they had gone after. And it stirred up in them a doubt. Now, you may say, well, I don't encounter too many demon spirits in my, uh, in my life, in the, in the walk where I go. But has your flesh ever acted up in such a way that it caused your doubts to rise up? And maybe you didn't even realize they were there. And this, is, this is what we need to get past. See, it's not just unbelief for demon spirits. It's also unbelief for healing, finances, things that you come against in this world, whatever it might be. We need to get past that unbelief and look into things that will help us. Now, you can grow without fasting. You can become spiritual, become mature, but it's going to hold you, if you don't start fasting, if you don't get into what fasting can do, some of those pitfalls that are in your life will hold you back. We talked about whether fasting needed to be secretive. Your purpose needs to be that I don't do this for the glory of men. Your purpose does not need, need me keep it secret. That's not the purpose. The purpose is I'm doing this because it's benefiting me. I don't need anybody else to know about it. But somewhere along the line, you change your purpose and your purpose becomes, well, I want people to see how spiritual I am. Then the Word of God says you have your reward. But we saw in the example that Jesus gave the conflicting natures of the new material and the old material. We saw the conflicting natures between the new wine and the old wine. And so we're going to take a look at some more with that here today. In verse 32 of Mark chapter 14, Then they came to a place which was called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Interesting that he didn't let himself be visibly uh, observed to be troubled and deeply distressed until he was with just these three. Have you ever had that where something's going on the inside but you don't let it out because you, you, only certain people you'll, you'll let that out with? Apparently, Jesus had that with these three. And he said to him, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch. Now this is Jesus, the Son of God who is telling them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful 
even to death. And then he asks them to stay there and watch. Now think about this. If you were to place in Jesus himself, shared this with you. We think of Jesus, man, Jesus is just, wow. <laughs> and then all of a sudden Jesus is saying, my, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. And then he asks you, would you stay here and pray with me? How many of that would, that would move you? Man, that would just, wow, this is Jesus asking me to stay here and watch with him. And he went a little further and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. And then he came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So apparently, part of the purpose for him bringing him here was not just to help him, but that they would not enter into temptation. Now we know the rest of the story. We know the temptation is they're going to be tempted to, to run away and to flee and to, to not confess Jesus and to abandon him and all these things were going to come up. He was leading them to a place that they could be prepared that that wouldn't happen. He says, pray that you enter not into temptation. Now this, this word temptation is a very common word for temptation. They don't have a whole lot of words for temptation. This is the, it's not the word for sin. It's the word for temptation. And he's saying, pray that you enter not into temptation. Now that word there, enter. I, I put it in your outline for you. This word here for, for enter is ice erkomai. Ice erkomai. Now this is a compound word. Probably heard me say some of these words enough that you probably even heard that. Ice means into. Doesn't mean something cold. It means into. Erkomai means to go or to leave. When you put these words together, he is talking about going into a place or leaving from a place. So if you, if you were inside the building, you would enter the outside by going through the door. If you were outside, you would enter into the inside by coming through the door. Generally, the, the emphasis is on the entrance, what you are entering into. Pray that you may not enter into temptation. Now, what this is telling us here is that he is not talking about accidentally sinning. He's not saying that you're going to sin here by accident. You're not, you're going to fall into temptation by accident. The word for, the word for sin in the Greek, one of the main words for sin in the Greek is a word that means to miss the mark. Hamartia. To miss the mark. That uh, you're trying to hit the mark, but you missed it. It came up a little, little short, a little long, a little to the left, a little to the right. You didn't, you didn't quite get it. That's not what we're talking about here. He says, pray that you enter not into temptation. This is not something that you accidentally do. This is something that you intentionally walk into. So what he's saying is, pray that you do not ice erkomai into temptation. That you do not deliberately and willfully enter into temptation. Pray that you do that. Now, why would anyone willfully enter into temptation? 
How many of you would say, well, if I knew it was sin, I wouldn't do it? Well, don't do, don't say that because that would be a lie. How many times do we know something? Well, I know God doesn't want me to do it, but, and you know, we've all had those, those situations where, all right, well, I know the word says this, but I don't think it really means for me right now. You know, we can come up with, with reasons for, for why that's, uh, that's the way that it is. Now, I gave you some references there. You can go out there and take a look at them if you want to. This is just showing you where this word is, is being used. It's talking about when he entered the synagogue, when he entered the city, or when he, he could no longer openly enter into the city. And when he entered into uh, Capernaum, that's in there. Uh, it talks about uh, David when he entered into the house of God. This is what this, this word is, is to enter into something. So I put this in your outline. This is on purpose. You meant to do it. Now it says, pray that you enter not into temptation. The temptation here would be to not confess Christ. To confess, the, the temptation would be to leave him, to abandon him, to work to preserve your own life and forsake Christ. That would be the temptation. He's saying, pray that you don't do it. Pray that you enter not in temptation. Well, when you, when the disciples were facing the demon spirit in Mark chapter 9, they entered into it in faith, expecting the demon spirit to go. When the disciples are entering into this situation here in the garden, they are expecting to stay with Jesus. Remember Peter's confession? The rest of these guys, they might leave you. Not me. No, I'm, I'm right there. I'm ready to die for you. And I believe that he firmly believed that he was ready to die for him at that time. And if you were to tell him, yeah, but this is going to come up. Nope, nope. See, he's convinced. He is thoroughly convinced. Just like in Mark chapter 9, if you were to say, we have a demon-possessed boy, what would the disciples say? Let's go get him. We know how to take care of this. We've done this before. We can do it. And they go on in. But then something happened. Now, when, when Jesus was arrested, they may have been expecting a couple of people to show up and arrest him. They weren't expecting as many people as came to get Jesus. And that may have been very intimidating. That may have uh, put them back a little. We were just thinking, you know, a, a few folks would be coming out here to arrest them. We didn't think that this whole garrison of, of uh, soldiers would be coming here all with their armament, everything all ready to go. I mean, wow, this is, uh, <laughs> this is more intimidating than we were expecting it to be. And they did not expect to enter into temptation, but they did. And they all left Jesus. They all fled. Every single one of them, they went away. Because they weren't up to it. So somewhere in this time of prayer, Jesus said, pray that you enter not into temptation. Now we've heard that verse. We've, we've had an understanding of that verse. Pray that you enter not into temptation. Now I don't want anybody to raise your hand. If you're at home, you can raise your hand because, no, I won't see that. But you don't have to raise it if you're here. <laughs> but how many have ever thought that, well, I'm, I'm going to pray so that I don't enter into temptation. I'm going to pray and build myself up and begin to pray in the Spirit for the purpose of building myself up so I don't enter into temptation. If that was the purpose of praying in the Spirit, then Jesus asked the disciples to do something they were not able to do. Because the Holy Spirit was not poured out for that purpose, 
until uh, Acts. They, they, they didn't have this just yet. And what we hear of Jesus praying in the garden didn't involve praying in the Spirit. They were words that everybody understood. So if we're just off praying in the Spirit to edify ourselves and build ourselves up, this is not going to overcome doubt. This is not going to overcome temptation in our life. Because doubt is just simply a temptation to not believe the words that Jesus said. Isn't that a simple definition of doubt? To believe something else than what God said. If God said, in, the, in my name, they, sh- they shall come out. Demon spirits will come out. In my name, sickness and disease will, will yield to you. These are the things that Jesus told us. But things will come up that would cause us to doubt. And we would enter into temptation. That's what the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to become tempted so that you don't, don't believe whatever it is that God said. But he didn't stop there. He went on and said some more. He said, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. So without the pray, without the praying, they would be entering into temptation. We know that Jesus prayed, Father, not my will, but your will be done. So what he was praying was, there's a temptation for me to go this direction. But I know you want me to go in this direction. If it's not possible for me, for us to go in this direction, which we don't know what that way is, no one, he never shared it with anybody. That's better than us. We've mentioned that before. How many of you have had a contrary will to the Father and usually you um, express it to people? I think my idea is better. You're not alone in that. There's people in the Bible who thought their idea was better. Saul thought his idea was better than the, the, what God told him to do through the prophet. Oh yeah, I understand that God wanted us to wipe them all out, but we brought the best of them back to sacrifice. He thought his idea was better. The temptation is to think our ideas are better. They are not. What we need to do is to do what he said. So what he did was he renewed himself on the on the plan and purpose of God. Not on his own. Not on something that would rise up on himself. He stayed on that. If you're going to pray and not enter into temptation, then you need to pray and talk about with God, God, this is your will. This is what you want me to do. And renew yourself on that will and on that purpose. So that when the temptation comes, I don't go my way. I stay with his way. That's the kind of prayer that Jesus did. If you want prayer that's going to help you overcome temptation, that's the kind of prayer that you need to do. But take a look at this this next part. Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The Spirit, indeed, is willing. The Spirit, indeed, is willing. If you have a King James Bible, and you're looking at that, your Bible says, the Spirit is ready. If you have a New King James, it says the Spirit is willing. Other translations put it other other ways. But this word means readiness, willingness, or eagerness. The word is prothumas. Prothumas. Ready, willing, and eager. Now, how many of you have spent time to get yourself willing to do what God wants you to do? Anybody ever spend time with that? I, I know I need to be willing to do it. The Word of God says if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. And so we spend some time working on that willing part. Get myself willing. 
When God says, believe this way, I want to be willing when I get there to do it. Because the main reason people don't believe God is they're not willing to. So we probably have spent some time getting ourselves ready. The Spirit is willing. The Spirit is willing. Doesn't this sound good? How many of you say, this is a good place to be? How many would say, it's a good place to be that the Spirit is willing? Yeah, we would think that, wouldn't we? And we would be wrong. We would be completely wrong. Because are these guys successful in what Jesus is approaching? Jesus is approaching them. Is, is Jesus happy with their, with their stated condition? No. You're asleep. Wake up. You're supposed to be praying. Pray that you don't enter into temptation. He said the Spirit is willing. The Spirit is willing. It sounds good. It sounds great. The Spirit is willing. But this attitude of the Spirit is insufficient. If that attitude of the Spirit was all that was needed, wouldn't they have success? He didn't say the Spirit is mostly willing. He didn't say the Spirit of God is very greatly willing. He said, your spirit is willing. Just, here it is. It's will. Your spirit is willing. But apparently, that's ineffective. It's insufficient. It's not enough. Just wanting to do what God wants you to do is not enough. Just being eager and, oh, I can't wait to get at this and to do the thing that God wants me to do. That is not sufficient to get it done. He says, the spirit is willing or the spirit is ready. But then he says, but the flesh is weak. The flesh is weak. Well, we know that's not good. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. This word means strengthless, feeble, sick, without strength, weak. There's no strength there. The spirit is eager. The spirit is willing. The flesh is without strength. Have you ever been willing to do something, but just unable to get yourself there? Maybe you got injured. Oh man, I would love to get out there and to help you with that. But um, I'm just not, I'm just not able right now. I'm just not, I'm not, not willing or not able. Maybe something had, had, had come up on, on that, whatever it might be. There's a, there's something that would, that would prevent you from doing it. You, you're willing. I want to. I don't remember what the piece of equipment it was, but I remember, uh, some years ago that, uh, you, a uh, few of you might be, remember, it was around the 4th of July on a year, and I was, uh, rushed to the, ho- well, taken to the hospital, and for an emergency procedure, to which they, uh, operated on me and took out my appendix before it, uh, ruptured and burst. And so forth. And so that was done on a, I believe, it was a Friday. And so, um, 
they kept me in overnight because the operation was done way in the, the late, I don't know, 11 o'clock, something like that. It was done late. So they kept me in overnight. And the next day I came out. Uh, you know, it's just, just overnight uh, type of stuff. And there was some kind of a piece of equipment that was being delivered for the for us the next day. You know, we had scheduled it before we knew that I was going to the hospital. I don't remember what it was. I just remember being back out there in a the big old cart and this thing being on it. And um, we had some, some people there and we were trying to get it off. And, you know, I was willing to help. I was willing to help. But, you know, they just they just cut me open. <laughs> and so there's people there present who didn't want me to help. Now, I was willing, but you see, my ability to help at that point was was in question. And so, uh, now I think it went on, went on that the, the thing was coming back down and it seemed to be got too much for the, there was a few people that were there. And so I ended up jumping in and, and pushing on a few things, but I, I felt it. <laughs> you can feel that incision. But uh, I just did what uh, minimum stuff and then backed off from it. I'm willing. I'm ready to get in there and help. But there's a weakness in my body at this time and that's preventing me from doing it. So was the willingness all I needed? No. But we, as Christians, we work so much on getting us ready to be eager, ready, and willing. That, But that's not the, always the hindrance. A lot of times the hindrance is in the flesh. It's not in the spirit. Spiritually, I'm ready to do this. Spiritually, I'm ready to believe God I'm healed. Spiritually, I'm ready to believe God for the job I want, for the raise I want, for the financial need that I need taken care of. Spiritually, I am ready. I am re- God, I am so ready for this. But then when I am faced with it, there's a weakness on the inside of me that rises up and takes over. You see, this was what happened with the disciples in Mark chapter 9. They were ready. They were willing. They were eager to take this situation on. But then when it didn't seem to go the way they were, they felt inadequate. They felt like we couldn't do this. And they backed off. Somehow they backed off. We don't know all the details what was there, but they backed off and uh, they didn't stay with it. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cast it out. What we did, what they did spiritually was insufficient. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. When Jesus brought them out there to pray, what side is he trying to build them up on? He's trying to build them up on their flesh side. Isn't that interesting? That's where their weakness is. The weakness wasn't in the spiritual area. The weakness was in the flesh area. When he said this kind comes out only by prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. Not just fasting. It's prayer and fasting. You need to combine both. If you just fast, you're not, you're not going to get that much out of it. You need to be the prayer and the fasting. And so here it was, was praying. This was supposed to do something for them. Now, if you find that you are insufficient in a matter, there are two ways to overcome it. First off, increase my supply. Right? If I am insufficient, then I just, I need to increase my supply. If I don't have enough money 
for the car payment, for the rent payment, for whatever's coming up, I need to increase my supply, right? That's one way to go about it. Increase my supply. Spend less, make more, something. Somehow you affect that, you gotta increase your supply. That's one way to overcome insufficiency. The second way is to de- decrease my opposition. Decrease what's coming against me. I can move to a place that the rent is less. If the rent is 1200 here, I can move to a place that's 1000 800 something different. And, and work towards getting that down. If I decrease what is coming against me, then my supply would be sufficient, right? So there's two ways that you can do this. Increase my supply or decrease my opposition. These are things that we can, we can do to help us out. Let's continue on here. Mark chapter 14, verse 39. Again, he went away and prayed and sp- spoke the same words. Went over the same thing. Didn't come up with a new prayer. Spoke the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again. For their eyes were heavy. And they did not know what to answer him. Then he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. So, he says, we need to get in in here and pray that this prayer that he's doing is going to minister to your flesh. It's going to build your flesh up. Apparently, tearing your flesh down is not always good. You got to build it up sometime. So he said, we're going to, we're going to make you stronger. The flesh is weak. The flesh is weak. It's not able to do what it needs to do. Now you've had times when your flesh is weak. That's, that's a hard thing to overcome. I, I want to do this. I just, I have no energy today. It's just all out of me. Something is affecting me physically. And I, I just can't do what I, what I want to do. I want to do that. Oh, I just, my, my flesh is not capable. Other times you may notice that you are capable. I got plenty of energy. I just don't want to. <laughs> Ever had that one? I just don't want to. I know I could help you, but I'm mad with you right now. I don't want to. And so we, we don't. We have to get the willing and the able together. I have to get the willing and the able together. I need both of them. It's not good that my flesh is weak. We've got to build it up. Over in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Another very familiar scripture to you. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Well, that sounds simple, doesn't it? I won't walk in the lust of the flesh is if all I do is walk in the Spirit. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. The, the flesh and the Spirit are contrary to one another, he says. This is that nature thing. This is the, the, the contrary natures. The new wine and the old wineskins. It's a contrary part of the nature. And the new wineskins would rip apart the old wine. Same thing with the old material and the new material. It's a conflict of natures. He's saying here, the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. 
These are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. Haven't you ever had that? I want to do this. I, I want to do this for God. But <clears throat> I'm not doing it. I'm not getting it done. I want to believe God for healing. But I'm, it's just not happening for I'm I'm not in that place where I'm doing it. It's still not going on. I want to be in this, this spot. But it's not there. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness. And he goes on there with a list. You can keep on going if you want to. That's a list of things in the flesh. It says it's pretty easy to tell some of the things that are in the flesh. That's not hard to be able to determine. These are acts of the flesh. Uh, Stay out of those. Those are the things that the flesh will lead you into. But the flesh can sometimes get a, a bad rap and we think, well, we, we just don't want flesh. But Jesus said the flesh was weak. So there's some aspects of our flesh that I need to be strong, but I can't just pursue everything that the flesh wants to do. But I still need my flesh to be strong. If my flesh isn't strong, if my physical body isn't strong, then, you know, we... Um, we're not able to accomplish what we want to do. Now, sometimes I, I lead you down a, a, a wrong road, I think, in, in thinking. And that um, uh, most people think that if I'm going to run, it needs to be in bad weather, you know, extreme cold, the extreme heat. And those are the ones that really test you. But I, I've known for years, many, many years, and I've always tried to, to feed the other side. It's just not as exciting to hear about the other side, I guess. But uh, it's, it's important that I go out some days when it's 70 degrees, bright, sunny, and sun, and just enjoyable. Nice, gentle breeze. Sometimes I take myself out to a park and run around the lake because it's enjoyable. It's nice. Sometimes, and I look forward to it when it happens, I get to go down to the beach and run on the beach or the boardwalk. Oh, I'm looking forward to those days when you get to go down on the beach in the boardwalk. And I don't care if it's winter, summer, it's always fun to run on the boardwalk. Just get out there on the boardwalk in the wintertime, there's less people. And the summertime, you know, you get more people up on there, but if you go early enough, then you can, you can do that. But you, you, need to, you need to have some of the fun. Whatever it is that you do, there needs to be some fun with it. If prayer is always hard work, for you, you won't do it. You won't be as willing to, to do it. If you want to eat healthy, and so your definition of eating healthy is everything that is gross and disgusting. I have to eat gross and disgusting disgusting food because that's the healthy stuff. And um, so you're always sitting down there and pretty soon, you know, meals, you're not excited about meals anymore. Because all I'm doing is eating this awful stuff. I don't like this awful stuff. I want to eat some good food. I want to eat some food that I like. And so if you're going to get on that kind of a healthy diet, you need to find some healthy food that you like, that you enjoy, that is good. Cheese is what makes everything better, doesn't it? I mean, broccoli by itself is one thing, but broccoli covered in cheese. <laughs> I can even get into that. My wife made uh, some dish the other day, and so we, we brought it home from wherever it was we were at, and um, 
is, is a, a broccoli dish. And uh, fortunately, the broccoli wasn't cooked. See, I, I, I love raw broccoli. I can just sit there and a bowl full of broccoli and just raw and eat it. Cook it. Now we're, now it's, we're not sure. If you cooked all the life out of it, there's no way I'm eating it. If it's a little bit crunchy in there, then probably I'll do something. But it's got to have some flavor to it. Or, uh, But if it's raw, I'll tell you, raw, raw is good. So she made this salad up and it had cheese in it. And I think it had some... Uh, I thought they were... Uh, they weren't onions. They, she said that later on that they were red onions. So I told her, says those are those are better onions than usual, and they were they were good. So we had that in there. So we had it over at the house. Then I was the one who finished it up. It took me two or three meals. We had a lot of it. We brought home, and um, I was surprised she didn't want any. I would have fought her for it gladly. <laughs> but you see, that's eating stuff that's healthy. But I look forward to it. I like it because it's got some extra extra things in there, and and uh, we can we can enjoy that. So whatever it is that you're going to do, you've got to find some way to make it fun. Even this with your, with your children, when you're raising them up. If uh, schoolwork is always going to be, you have to stand over them with a, with a bat and, and threaten them. And <laughs> schoolwork is not going to be fun then. Uh, if chores are, are that way, that's not going to be fun. Just kind of like over at, uh, at work. If your boss was standing over you at work, and every time that you were to, there was a job to get done, he's standing over you with a bat or threatening you with your job. Or uh, if you don't get this done by this time, you're done. Pack your stuff and go. Well, you know, work's no fun that way. We got to we got to find a way to make it make it fun, and uh, find some enjoyment in it. And this is the same thing with our spiritual life. Don't make it all all, all nasty and hard. There are some things that are are going to be fun because Jesus spent his time with the Father in prayer. And most of the time he's in father, time with Father in prayer. It's, it's fun. Oh, it's enjoyable. Oh, Father, I can't wait to get with you, to chat with you and talk with you. Now, this time wasn't quite as much fun. But you see, he was ready for it because of the times he's been in there. Oh, Father, I just enjoy being in your presence. Make sure that you have times in the presence of God that you enjoy, that you have fun. Do things that are fun, that you, that you like. It will help you out. Same thing with people. If you want to hang out with people, make sure that you, you do some things that are fun. Can't just be laborious all the time. But he says, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, and lewdness. He says, walk in the spirit. Don't walk in the flesh. The flesh has desires. I have to bring those desires under control. I need, you need your flesh to do some things. You see, in order for these guys to enter into prayer, they needed their flesh. You cannot go into prayer without your flesh. If your flesh is weak, then every time you enter into prayer, your flesh says, oh, it's time to sleep. Oh, let's take a nap. And you just go right along with your flesh. But you gotta, you gotta rise up and be over your flesh. Flesh, I need you to do this right now. That's why I talk about the, the, the running aspects of it. Um, when my flesh wants to rise up and say, I don't want to go outside in this particular weather. That, uh, you know, we, we changed that around. Um, we were looking at it uh, one of the days this week, I forget which one, that we saw that there were some thunderstorms in the, in the forecast. And so the one time I saw they were going to be in the morning, so I was planning on going out in the morning. Checking with John. John, you ready to go out in the morning? There's going to be some thunderstorms. Yeah, yeah, let's go. So we were all looking forward to get there in the morning and the weather report was wrong. It was just rain. 
but they put off some of the thunderstorms for the afternoon. So we said, all right, we'll, we'll change plans. We'll go in the afternoon and go into when the thunderstorm's going on. And so we got there in the afternoon. There's no thunderstorm. There's clouds, but plenty of sun. Sun coming through them clouds. It was sunny. It was nice. And I was almost mad. Because I was ready. I geared up. I'm ready. I want thunder. I want lightning. I want hard, heavy rain. Because I'm, I need to, you know, just take my body on out there and just, uh, just, let's just take it on through there. But I can't do that all the time. I gotta have some times when I take it out and just have some, have some fun. So this is what you gotta do with your spirit. Your spirit needs to rule over, not kill your flesh. But it needs to rule over it. If your flesh rises up and say, I would like some pizza today, the idea with your spirit is not to say, well, that's just tough. Just because you want it, now we're not going to have it. <laughs> that's not necessarily ruling over your flesh. That may be abusing your flesh. You don't have to abuse your flesh or, or beat it up to such a degree that uh, you're, you're no good. Just because your body wants to get some extra rest on a day doesn't mean that it's bad. <laughs> if your body needs some extra rest, give it some rest. Jesus was tired enough that he's sleeping on a boat during the storm. Your, your body can get tired. When it gets tired, give it some rest. Go to bed earlier. Do something that you, you need to do to get that taken care of. Because your, your flesh, you need your flesh. If you're going to accomplish what you're going to accomplish for God, you need a strong spirit and your flesh needs to have some strength to it as well. If your flesh is weak, you are not able to carry out what it is that God is saying for you to do. So make sure, feed your body. Give it some attention. Do some things that are going to help your body. If your if your flesh rises up and say, "Boy, I would like some ice cream," you don't have to immediately say no. Just to have supremacy over your flesh, so you may say, "Well, you know what, flesh, you haven't had ice cream for a little while. I think it's all going to be okay." And you step on out there, and you can you can do that. It's all right. But you see, you have to take charge over the flesh nature. Most times we, we, we're not taking charge. Our flesh says, I don't want to go to church. Well, fine, we don't go. Flesh says, I don't want to spend time in the Word today. <sighs> fine, we won't. Or if we do, we go in there and we say, all right, well, I, I'm just going to read for five minutes. And I don't even know what I read. I just read for five minutes, closed it up, and went away. Well, who won? And my flesh won. I can't let the flesh win like that. If I let the flesh win like that, then the flesh is going to rule me. You see, he's, he says here that the flesh is contrary to the spirit. If you spend time fasting, let's say that you fast once a week. Maybe even stepped it up. Let's say you fast twice a week. Two days out of the week, you're fasting. And no food at all in those two days. We would think that, wow, that person has some supremacy over the flesh. But if you go out from there, you have victory on those fast days. And I'm not eating nothing during those times. But then on the other days, my mouth is just saying all sorts of stuff. My thoughts just go anywhere they want to. The word of God says, think on good things. I'm thinking on bad things. Is fasting helping me? No, my, my flesh is still winning. 
that's still taking control. The idea of fasting is to help you gain authority over your flesh. You don't have to kill your flesh. I hear some people talk about this and they, you know, it's just like you, you got to sacrifice that flesh, man. You just got to beat it up. You guys got to take it out. You don't have to. Your flesh is fine. God created it. Now there's a flesh nature. That flesh nature craves, craves wrong things. But when you go after fasting, that's your flesh. That's your flesh and bone body you're going after there. You can, you can win out on that. But you don't have to kill it. But during the rest of the week, you've got to make sure, what's my spirit telling me to do? My spirit is telling me to follow after the ways of the spirit. So when I have an opportunity to think bad things about a member of my family, spouse, kids, whatever member is there, you hear a bad report and you want to think bad things, don't go after that. That's your flesh taking charge. You may win out in the food area, but it's winning out in all the important areas. You don't want to be doing that. You don't have to just fast food. Not fast food, but fast food. You don't have to just fast in order to gain supremacy over your flesh. That is one way to do it. That is the way it is most commonly talked about, and it's one of the easiest ways to target your flesh. But there's some other things that you can do as well. Your flesh may want to gossip. And you take a thought, flesh, you are not gossiping. And we got some juicy bit of information. And my flesh just can't wait to go out there and tell somebody. We got to take authority. You're listening to me now. It's the Spirit calling the shots. We do not pass that stuff on because our Father God told us not to do it. And if I learn how to take authority over these things, then I, my flesh will be in submission to me. Instead of the other way around. So that way when I get revelation in my spirit, I'm, I, I can walk in victory. I can walk in a greater amount of victory because, because I learned how to listen to my spirit. That spirit inside of you, it's, it's trying to help. It's trying to get you over the hump. You're trying to believe God for a healing in your body. You're trying to believe God for something going on in whatever situation it might be. But that doubt keeps rising up. Because I keep giving in to these, these things in the flesh. As soon as the flesh is alright, well if you won't feed us when we want to be fed, if you won't give us all the ice cream and cookies and, and um, things like that that are, are going on, if, if you won't give us those things, then we're going to take these. And it goes after the things in Galatians that he cites. We're going to have you go after this stuff. That's not helping us out. You see, when I operate in pride, just one of those things that the flesh would try and do, I take on Satan's nature. I take on the nature of Satan. When I operate in pride, I am adapting the nature of Satan into myself. When I walk in pride, I am no longer walking with God. And I am not getting to know his nature. I'm getting to know the nature of Satan. I'm getting to know the nature of my flesh. This is not helping me. When I step out and I begin to lie. Who's the father of lies? I'm following after his nature. I'm doing the things that he, he wants me to do. I'm following after his example. I'm not following after the nature of my father. The, the more I follow after the nature of the enemy, the more I'm going to be familiar with the nature of the enemy. 
the more I follow after the nature of my God, the more I'm familiar with the nature of God. When I operate in selfishness, God is not selfish. The devil is. His kingdom is. I'm following after that, that kingdom. When I operate in a way of being hostile, that's following after the nature of, of Satan, not the nature of God. Don't be doing these things. You got, taking authority over your flesh, over food is great, but the idea here is not that you have victory over food, it's that you have victory over your flesh. That's what God wants us to have. He doesn't care if there's victory over, over food. He wants you to have victory over your flesh. That's what's needed. Some people have said, well, I can't, I can't fast. I have a blood sugar issue or I have some kind of health condition and that keeps me from being able to, to do that. And they think, well, I guess I'm, I just get off scot-free here. No, there's other areas that you can go. There's other things you can do that your flesh tries to rise up and, and tell you things, get you to do stuff, but you don't have to do it. We're not here to get victory over, over food. I want victory over my flesh. So my understanding of God hits a ceiling as long as I continue to operate in a nature that is contrary to His. Don't operate in a nature contrary to God. Because if you do, that's your ceiling. I can only go so high in the kingdom of God. I can only go so high in my faith. I have the ceiling here. Because I'm not operating... I'm not getting to know my Father the way I need to. I'm not getting to know His nature. The more you get to know the nature of God, the more when you see it, see a false nature in someone else, just like that you can pick it up. Because you're so familiar with the nature of the Father. You can just come up to people and just meet them on the street and just know, this, is, this person's born again. I can tell. I see the nature of my Father all over this one. And you just start talking about born-again things and you haven't even identified them as a Christian yet. And they, they may say, oh, wow, you're a Christian too? Yeah, I can tell you're a Christian. I can tell. And there's other times you walk up to people, uh, so you don't have to talk to them. Have you ever been around somebody and just, they're just in the room and you can just tell by being in the room, oh, something is not right there. The nature contrary to, to, to God's nature. The more I walk in the nature of God, the more I pick those things up. But Christians who are back and forth, nature of God, nature of, of evil, nature of God, nature of evil, keep going back and forth, they're going to be confused. They're going to think that, well, that looks like it might be God. Because they can't tell. They're just not able, able to figure that out. I don't know, I, I don't know if you ever had a, anybody ever had a fish tank? You have a fish tank at home, you have to change water. If you have a goldfish bowl, something like that, you have to change water. And way back when I worked for a pet store, my job in there was to change all the, the tank's water. And so he took me around to, to how to do this. And this is how I learned how to change the, the water in the tank. I would take the, the bucket, I'm gonna, you mix that water up first, and I would take that bucket over to the sink, and I'd go and I'd grab a cup of water out of the fish tank that the fish are in. And I'd take that cup over to the bucket of water and I would dip my finger in it. Hold my couple of fingers sometimes and I'd just uh, hold that in there and keep it in for a little bit to get it used to it. And then I would take it out and put it into the, into the other water. 
Oh, this one's too cold. But you see, I could tell by being in the nature of the water that's in the tank. I still do that same method today. I'll still have a cup of water. I have a thermometer too, but the thermometer is for fine-tuning. I want to do this. I want to, I just want to make sure I get in close to the area. Because that thermometer, I can take 30 seconds, 60 seconds, a couple minutes before it fully re- reacts to the water that's in there. But it, my finger's instant. I put it in there for a little bit. All right, we get ourselves used to it. Go in here. Oh, that's cold. I can tell that's not quite, oh, it's too warm. Let me get it to the, to the right thing. Walk in the nature of the spirit. And as soon as you get out, You'll know, oh, this is not the nature of the Spirit. I was just, I've been walking in it. I've had my hand in that cup. That's, that's not it. That's, that's a wrong nature. And instantly you know it. Now, got one more scripture we want you to take you over to. In Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I am? Or say that I, the Son of Man, am. And they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father. How's the Father do it? Through the Spirit. And also I say to you that you are Peter and on, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Christ. Don't tell anybody this, this sort of stuff. Don't let anybody know. Not, they need to find out. They need to get that revelation on their own. But then he said that after that he began to teach them about his death and resurrection. And we all know the story. You know, Peter, he eventually uh, pulled him aside and rebuked him for it and, and so forth. Um, but he began, to see, he waited for them to, to get this revelation. That's why he's asking them. We're trying to locate where are you at? Where, where are you on this? Who do you say that I am? You see, first off, revelation came. When revelation came, revelation came to their spirit. This is real important for us to get down. We've got to get this. When revelation came to their spirit, this is Messiah. How many of you know that there was enough stuff going on around there that they could have believed elsewhere? They could have believed something else. They did not have to believe. that They could believe he was a prophet. They could believe he was a good guy, a great man, uh, sent from God. They could believe all that sort of stuff. But to believe that he is Messiah took faith. They had to have faith in what the Lord, what God spoke to him in the Spirit. Peter meditating on things, whatever it was he was doing, and it comes up, this is the Son of God. This is Messiah. He has to have faith with that. So he has faith with that, and Jesus, Jesus has him put it to work. Who do you say that I am? And Peter, you are the Son of God. You are the Son of God. He just spoke it right out. This is, this is something that he's believing, isn't it? This is something he has faith in. And as soon as he had that faith in the revelation that he received, 
what came next? More revelation. Once they had the revelation that he was the Messiah, then he began to teach them about his death and resurrection. About being dead three days and being raised up. He began to teach them. He had to wait until not only they had the revelation, but they had the faith to believe that revelation. Once they had the faith to believe the revelation that they had, now we're ready for the next revelation. So the next revelation is, he is going to die, be dead and buried three days, and be resurrected. Does Peter have faith in that revelation? No. He received the revelation, but he didn't have faith in it. He pulls Jesus aside. You shouldn't ought to teach like this. This isn't right. He didn't have faith for that revelation. The disciples never got faith for that revelation. All the way up until the time that he's dead. They're all moping around. Oh, he's dead. Oh, I can't believe he's dead. Oh, Messiah's dead. How did Jesus die? How did all this happen? And they're sad. And they're on the road to Emmaus. And they're having a conversation. Why are you so sad? What, are you the only one who doesn't know what's going on around here? And they begin to tell him. And then the stranger began to open things up for them. And to, to speak to them about what was going on. See, they didn't have faith for that revelation. If Until they had faith for that revelation, nothing more is going to be spoken on it. Because revelation is progressive. God speaks something to me. I have faith with it. I put it to voice. I put it to action. I do something with it. And then more revelation can come. The way is paved for more revelation to come. And then I can have more faith. You see, the way we get past this flesh ceiling is to take what God has spoken to me in Revelation, meditate on it, don't just hear it. The disciples all heard he's going to be dead and buried. They all heard that. They didn't have any faith for it. I got to hear it, have faith for it, so that I can be like Peter. Who do you say that I am? You're the Son of God. Right off with it. You're the Son of God. He had no trouble with that. Because until I'm ready to, to have that kind of faith, until I walk in that kind of faith in the revelation that God has shared with me, I won't walk in any other revelation, on, at least on that topic. We're, we're, we're held up. What would have happened if the disciples had grabbed hold of this second, this next revelation that Jesus was speaking? I'm going to be dead, buried. If, if, if he had received that, had faith with it, what would Jesus have taught them next. Where else would they have gone with that? But you see, they they capped it. They stopped it right there. Now, you remember a statement that Brother Hagin made. Um, he just repeated it. The Lord Jesus spoke it to him and down in his spirit when he was believing God to be healed. And he he uh, he was still laying on the the bed of sickness, as he called it, paralyzed and had the incurable blood disease and and just waiting to die, so to speak. And he uh, he's mentioned to God through a conversation they were having. I know I believe. If you were to stand right here and say that I didn't believe, I would call you a liar. Because I know you believe. And this came up in his spirit. He says, you believe as far as you know. I'll tell you what those words, I know they stay with him, they stay with me. Just, just hear him say it. You believe as far as you know. Yeah. 
We've got to know more. But you see, if I keep hitting that spot, that ceiling, and I don't go past it, I don't go above it, then I can't know anymore. The disciples hit a ceiling when they ran into that, that boy with the demon spirit, and they couldn't get past it. They eventually did, but they didn't get past it then. You're hitting a ceiling on something that you're believing God for. It might be something physical. It might be something mental. It might be something emotional. There might be something going on in finances. Whatever it might be, there's something. And you, you're believing God, but it seems like you're not getting anywhere on this one. This thing just keeps hanging around. That Just like that demon keeps hanging around that boy. Keep throwing him around. Thrashing him about here and there. Something is going on and you haven't gotten past it. Well, see, this is where fasting can kick in. And fasting can help out. you gotta, you got to take a, your flesh. You don't have to kill it, but you got to rule over it. And it's not just an area of food. But food's a good place to start. It's also in other areas as well. When your flesh wants to do flesh things that Galatians was talking about. Here's some flesh things that you could be doing. And he lists them. When your flesh wants to say, let's go on out over here and do this. You say, no, we're not going to do that. My spirit is in charge. My spirit is in charge. Well, the disciples had believed the things that Jesus had revealed up until that point. They knew it came from God. They believed it was true. Do you know that just because you know something came from God does not mean that you believe that it's true? How many times have you heard somebody quote something from the Old Testament? Well, that's the Old Testament. Came from God. Yeah, that's the Old Testament. See, I, I know it came from God, but that doesn't mean I believe that it's true. Well, I believe that's, that was true for some people, but I don't know that it's true for me. Just because I know a thing came from God doesn't mean that I will n- believe that it is true. So I have to take something, I know it's came from God, and I got to stay with it and believe that it's true. I believe, for Peter, that you are the Son of God. And then I got to act on its truth. When Peter said, you are the Son of God. When he said that, he acted on that truth that he believed. That truth that was revealed to him, he acted on it. Well, we've got times we haven't been acting on it. Abraham, when he was given opportunity to act on that truth that he had, that God spoke to him, you will be the father of many nations. He kept hitting the ceiling on that. And God even came down to him. Said all kinds of manner of nice things about him. Called him blessed. How am I blessed when I don't have a child? Paraphrasing. See, he went on in verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. He told them all this stuff, but they didn't have faith for it. See, once faith has taken hold of the revelation, and I act on that revelation. The way is made for more revelation to follow. That's what you want to do. Keep paving the way for more revelation to follow. When you go into fast, what you are doing is you are pinpointing the voice of your flesh. 
Because sometimes your, your voice of your flesh rises up and you don't even realize it's the voice of your flesh. But that's your flesh. That's not your spirit. You have to listen to the voice of your spirit. What is your spirit telling you? And then you've got to act on it. What is the Spirit of God said to you in regards to your life, how you're supposed to operate, what you're supposed to do? What has the Spirit of God said to you? You've got to first off make sure that you, you spend time meditating on it, believing, not just that it came from God, but believing that it's true. Believing that it's true for you. If God has told you to do something different on your diet, all right, I know that came from God, but I'm just not sure that's really going to have the effect that I want it to have. So I, I don't believe it's true for me. I believe it came from God. I don't know about, about that. If God has told you, I need you to, I want you to get up there and I want you to do some walking. I want you to every day get up and do some walking. I believe that came from God. But he doesn't know how hard it is for me to walk. If he knew how hard it was for me to walk, he wouldn't be asking me to do that. I don't think that's true for me. See, I have to get to the place where I hear, I, this I heard from God. But i got to believe it's, it's for me. i got to believe that this is what God is speaking to me. And then when God is speaking to me, i got to be attentive to it. i got to act it out. i got to do the thing. What has God said to do? This is what we're going to do. This is what we stay with. Why are you doing that? Because God said, you know that's not going to do any good, right? People do all kinds of stuff that's not going to do any good. You, know, you, just, you just look around outside. All these people going around with masks on. It's like common sense just went out the window. We don't know what these... I don't, people don't understand these masks are not made to do what they think they're supposed to do. Or what they're being told. But you see, they were told. So they just do it. Well, we'll go out there and we'll do it. If I don't have a mask on, I'm not protected. That's garbage. You're more protected without the mask than you are with the mask. This is simple science. This is simple, simple medical stuff. I just, I get amazed at the, the, the stuff that's going on. The people that are going around with a mask all day are doing harm to their body. Not only that, they're, they're keeping the disease germs right up there in front of their, in front of their mouth. Why in the world do you want to do that? The people who wear gloves all day, they think those gloves are going to help them out. It is not. Take the gloves off, wash your hand every once in a while if you want to. Those gloves aren't helping you. That stuff can get on the gloves just as much as it can get on, the, on your hands, whatever it is that you don't want. It'll get on your hands just as much as it'll get on the gloves. But it's a whole lot easier to go in the bathroom and wash your hands than it is to wash the gloves. It's just, but, but people are told this. There's no evidence that it will do any good at all, but we do it. Some people do. I only wear a mask when I have to go into the store if I, if I feel like they're going to kick me out. Did I tell you the story? I walked into a store this uh, week or two ago. Walked into the store and um, it was a dry cleaner. I didn't even know they were open. And the dry cleaner is open. So I, I got some suits. I need to get them. Did I tell you that story? I did tell you that story? Yeah. That's great. I want to find some more stores like that. Just walk in there. No mask. We had somebody who showed up to do some do something at the house. And I thought, oh, I'm just going to test them and just see how it goes out. So he came on up. You know, he's getting ready to do something. I go, how you doing? He looked at me, reached out, and shook my hand. 
Why? Are you, are you going to stop being, uh, shaking hands with people and doing stuff because somebody told you not to? See, it's down in my spirit to be friendly to people, to be nice to people. I'm not going to change that. That's down in my spirit. I have faith in my, in my spirit. I'm not putting all this other, other stuff out there. Make sure you, you listen to your spirit. The more you learn how to voice, uh, how to listen to your spirit and not be moved by this other stuff, that's all going on around you. Then when your flesh wants to rise up and say, we can doubt this. This demon spirit's not going to go out. And I pull back. This disease, this injury, this whatever it is that you've got, that you're believing for, it's not going to change. Way back down because we hit our ceiling. Don't be hitting these ceilings. Get ready to, to break past them. You see, when you enter into sin, you operate in a conflicting nature to, my, to your father. That's, an opera, that's a conflicting nature of the father. i got to put an end to it so that I can raise my level of understanding of God. Every time I walk in sin, every time I adopt what the world says instead of what God says, every time I operate under the, the lust of the flesh instead of doing the things that the Spirit wants, every time I do that, I am walking and getting to know the nature of not God. It's like taking your hand and putting it into the cold water instead of the water that the fish came from. That's the water I have to match. But if I put my hand into another, I may match that water, but it's not good for the fish. It doesn't help the fish. I got to do things that help the fish. I got to do things that help myself walk in the, in the way I'm supposed to go. The more I walk in that nature, then the more when my flesh speaks up something, flesh that is not according to the nature of God. We are not listening to that. We're not going after that. That is not the nature of God. Because I, I can tell. It's the wrong temperature. It's the wrong temperament. It's, it's not right. When somebody tries to speak something into my life, sometimes you find some young Christians, somebody speaks something over them, and they think, oh man, I must have been God. And it throws them. But you see, if you're, if you're walking in the realm of the Spirit, it's like having your hand in that, that cup of water from the fish tank. And it's like putting your hand, oh, that's, that's not right. That's, that's not right. That's not the same stuff. And we reject it. Nope. Nope, we're not going after that one. And just reject it. You can write this down if you want to, but I'm sure that's something you probably already know. There is a hidden cost to sin. When I am involve myself in sin, there's a hidden cost. When I involve myself in anger, when I involve myself in selfishness, when I involve myself in language that is not becoming of what the Word of God says I should do, when I involve myself with that, I am moving away from the nature of God and I am not as accustomed to know what it is. See, the reason I would take that cup from the fish tank and take it right down over to the sink where I'm mixing the water is because if I were to take my hand and put it into the fish tank and then walk over to the sink where I'm mixing up the water and then put my hand in, my hand has been away from the, the nature. Just that, just five seconds. It's too long. My hand has been away from that nature. I have to go right from that nature into the, into the water that I want. Right, right back and forth. No space in between. Don't think for a moment 
I can engage my flesh just for, the, just for a few minutes and then go back into the Spirit. It will affect you. And you will not be able to tell things from the Spirit the way you would be if you stayed out of it. John wrote this, Brethren, I write these things to you that you do not sin. If we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father. But the main thing is, stay out of the sin. Fasting is not just to gain a victory over food. It's to get you to walk in so much in the realm of the Spirit that anything that is contrary to that nature, you will spot immediately. You won't listen to that voice. You won't yield to that voice. You won't go in that direction. And that doubt, that just seems to creep into your members. You can't even tell that it's there. It's that passive doubt. It's acting upon me. I can't even tell that it's there. But I'll tell you what, you get into this presence and all of a sudden, wait a minute, whoa, where did that voice come from? That is not the Spirit of God. And I can, I can spot it. See, if you can spot the things that the devil wants to do in your life, it's a whole lot easier to come against them. When we come like the disciples, how come we couldn't cast it out? I don't, I don't know what went on. I don't know what went wrong. How come I couldn't get healed? You can find out all these things listening to the, listening to the voice of God. Would you stand up with me? Father God, I thank you for the help that you give us to overcome every obstacle, everything that is going on here in this life. The more we walk in the presence of God, the more we know what your voice sounds like, what your leading is like, the more we can recognize those things that are apart from you. Father, you're here to help us. You're here to help us overcome. Some of the people that are hearing this morning, maybe they never fasted. Maybe they've never taken on this battle with the flesh. But as I take this, these things on this week, the weeks to come, I thank you for the increased sensitivity they have to the things of the Spirit, to the things that you're leading them to. That revelation will come. They'll have the opportunity to believe it and then to put it in action. And then the next revelation comes. What a wonderful cycle it is to be in. When things are revealed, we believe and we act. And then more comes. Father, I thank you that you are here to help us. We don't have to beat up our flesh, kill our flesh, but we need to rule and reign in this life through our spirit. I thank you for the help that you always give us to overcome and to win. I give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, as you are, as you are um, meditating on this, we're going to be on fasting at least one more week. But if you have questions on this, make sure you let me know. What goes on in that? Love to uh, 
dig into some more things. You might even think of something that I wasn't. Oh, I didn't even think of getting into that. Brother Keith, you said you had something back there? Uh-huh. The Spirit of God is working at all times, and when working at all times, and when you listen, amazing things happen. From Miss Candy, I know what you mean about the nature of God in some people, but that has happened to me many times where I've met people and I know right away they were Christian. Hmm. And Phyllis is will winning the battle. Amen. Amen. All right, if you didn't hear that on Facebook, you can read them. But the, the folks that are here can't read, can't read them as easily as, as that. So, boy, I appreciate the, the comments y'all are. I'll, I'll put on there. Sister Marguerite, come on. Good morning, everyone. It's always so good to see each and every one of you and to greet you that are um, with us on Facebook. We're just so grateful to God to be able to um, come before you this morning. And uh, before I got up, um, the psalm, it's a short psalm, uh, Psalm 100 says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord all lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the God, that the Lord, he's God. It's he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endures to all generations. And it's just a psalm of thanksgiving, but um, that's kind of where my heart was this morning, and I just wanted to share that with you. Um, each uh, time after service, we just have a time that we want to share with each of you uh, praise reports and also um, prayer requests and uh, opportunities for our family to just share with us uh, what they are praying for or praising God for. And we have um, here from Brother Jolly, he's saying that he praises God that all things work together for good as his dad will be lowered down into uh, next Saturday, um, May 30th in the village. Um, his dad went to be with the Lord uh, some time ago, and there's a, a situation of distance. Um, he's here, and of course his dad is in uh, Africa. So um, he said he has resolved that there's no need for prolonging the process given the travel lockdown and ban. Prayer is for safety of the select few family members, of the select few and family members and friends to handle this interment safely. And we also want to say our prayers will be with them because even though we know where a person um, has gone to be with the Lord, uh, we still will miss them. Uh, none of uh, us here from here are going. So um, we just pray for the Epi family that is here and that they are praying for their family and friends that will be 
there for the interment of his dad. Um, we have a praise report from our um, little Lissy. And I believe Lissy is six years old. And this is, uh, she's saying that her brother was on her back and she tripped and fell. But now this is so special. She says, I am thankful that we are both safe. You know, and sometimes we, we think of praising God for, you know, different things that happen. But here Lissy is um, just thanking God that both she and her brother are safe. That's that's pure and simple, but it's quite important. So we thank God. We thank God for our children. They are such a blessing to us. Um, they give us joy. They just um, brighten our hearts. And so we thank God for them. As you celebrate this uh, Memorial Day weekend, um, let's all just thank God for the men and women that gave their lives that we can be in a country that we call free. And we're so grateful for that. So as you are, our Memorial Day weekend might not be uh, the same as we have celebrated it in years past, but we can still be grateful to God for all that he has done for us. And as we enter into the next weeks and the next months where we are all, you know, coming back together, let's not forget that what we have shared as far as our churches and as our communities, that um, as we go into what some would call a new normal, let us go into <clears throat> not so much a new normal, but just, you know, being safe and doing the things that we need to do. But let's not let ourselves be normalized out of what we know God has done for us. Let's not be marginalized into a, a place where we feel that we have to draw back. We have to draw closer to each other and we have to love each other. And that's what God would want. So enjoy the rest of your day. And I hope you have a wonderful Memorial Day. <laughs>